Welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This second series of the podcast is presented under the banner of COVID Connections, and I will be chatting with several of the fabulous people with whom my path has crossed over these challenging past 12 months. My guest today is Marie Hernandez, an Edinburgh-based Glaswegian whose journey so far has also taken her via New York City and London. Marie describes herself as a people practitioner who is passionate about improving our time while we work to enable us all to make a difference. She firmly believes in equality and justice and the importance of connection in our lives. Oh, and very importantly, she has a beautiful black Labrador called Luna. So welcome to this week's edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. And today my guest is Marie. So welcome, Marie. Hi, Jay. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It's very dreary today in Edinburgh. It's been, but... yeah, it's been the same here. So we're recording this in the evening and it has, I can confirm, it has been raining pretty much all day. It was nice and sunny down in Dumfries and Solway Firth this morning when I was wandering around the RSPB Mare's Head Nature Reserve. Uh, it's definitely started raining the more north we got. Okay. Both Marie and I are kind of in post-holiday, I don't know how you describe it, post-holiday sort of still semi-excitement of having been somewhere different, which has felt really unusual for a couple of days. I know we were just sharing how odd it felt to pack, like we couldn't find our toothbrushes, things like that, which doesn't mean we don't brush our teeth, it just means we're using electric one. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I know, and it's, it's, it is weird, just that you forget you get so out of habit having not done things for you know 12 months and think oh yeah actually and what I've realized is I really don't need as much stuff as I took with me (laughs) so pack light is the moral of my story good idea anyway so as ever we start the podcast with um, some words of choice and I think you've brought a poem along which will start our conversation today yeah, um, I chose to bring along People Will Always Be People by Benjamin Zephaniah. And I can tell you afterwards why. Excellent. People need people. To walk to, to talk to, to cry and rely on, people will always need people. To love and to miss, to hug and to kiss, it's useful to have other people. To whom to moan if you're all alone, it's so hard to share when no one is there. There's not much to do when there's no one but you. People will always need people. To please, to tease, to put you at ease, people will always need people. To make life appealing and give life some meaning, it's useful to have other people. If you need a change, to whom will you turn? If you need a lesson, from whom will you learn? If you need to play, who? You'll know why I say people will always need people. As girlfriends, as boyfriends from Bombay to Ostend, people will always meet people. To have friendly fights with and tasty bites with, it's useful to have other people. People live in families, gangs, posses and packs. It seems we need company before we relax. So stop making enemies and let's face the facts. People will always meet people. Yeah, people will always meet people. That's beautiful. I've never heard that before. Sorry for the little trip up up in the middle of it anyway. Yeah. What a beautiful poem. So tell us, tell me, why why have you brought that along? Why have you chosen that? Yeah, I only had that poem last year 
just as the Black Lives Matters movement was beginning to resurrect itself after the tragic death of George Floyd. Um, and I really like Benjamin Zephaniah, who I came across via Lem Sissé, who I also really like. Um, and I just, I don't know, I think because today is about connections during COVID, people you would never have met, and, like, that's a poem I would never have heard if it hadn't been for the tragic events of last year. But equally, it just sums up, like, everything about COVID for me and everything about the connections that I've made with people like you. So, and I just love it. I love the simplicity of it. I love the way it rhymes and flows. Yeah. Mm, it is. There's something quite, um, yeah, I'll take that into the, the rest of my week, I think. People will always need people. And and maybe that is something that, as I'm just reflecting on my like experience over the last 12 months around not having that connection in person, um, but stumbling across a whole new people whole new group of people that as Karen Lawson says we never knew we needed to meet and yet we found some real you know meaningful powerful connections yeah for sure it's a tribe it's good (laughs) to be part of a tribe I think it is and I think and, and as with everybody that I've spoken to in this series you know we absolutely I'm sure would not have met and crossed paths um and i have to i've just um i was just thinking ahead to this podcast and you're not the first member of your family to have recorded a podcast with me well that's true that's true (laughs) so yeah previously um i chatted to carlos during uh like proper lockdown um and got his thoughts and insights on on his experiences um so yeah maybe this would be quite interesting we can go back afterwards and compare and contrast (laughs) see how his how his experience and how what you yeah some of your reflections compare I'm sure his will be a lot more eloquent and meaningful than mine, but that's right. <laughs> so what what is it particularly about, you know, that that idea that people always need people and and maybe thinking about the experiences of the last sort of 12 months or so, what is it that you feel you've gained or, you know, or would not have had it not been for those connections that, that you found with people? Yeah, I think... There is something about being able to have conversations that are really meaningful with others. So where you're truly listened and where you're able to really think about your views and what you may think or feel around what's been talked about and then sharing that in a way that, you know, is not being judged you know, you're being listened to. So it's just something really wonderful about that. And I think I've definitely had that in other places in my life. Um, but it doesn't happen often. And I think you really need to grasp it when it does. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how, for me, this a COVID thing and the campfires have really became a tribe. I think I really do, you know, and like I've introduced people to it as well. We say, oh, it's my favorite time of the week, you know. So, um, but I've also known people who go to it before the campfire. So I think that's maybe a difference between yourself and I. It's like I knew some of those people already. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is just something I think magical about a campfire that just brings people together. 
Mm, definitely. And, and I, there, you know, having looking at the conversations we have and, you, you know, thinking about the essence of, you know, maybe going back centuries and, you know, people sitting around a campfire and what would people have done? I don't know, two, three hundred years ago, even longer, sitting around a campfire. And probably they'd have told stories about their day or talked about things that had happened to them or felt meat or that they were worried about, or concerned about, or, you know, sharing, sharing epic stories about that big beast that they'd caught that day or whatever it might be. And it does, it, it does feel like those, you know, the essence of that has been captured, albeit in a virtual way. Yeah. And yeah. Definitely, I feel like there's a, a sense of storytelling, list, and, and I like what you said, you know, there's a sense that you do feel listened to and there is a space to say things that maybe aren't quite formed in your head. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> which, de- which definitely has a value when sometimes you feel like you can't say it unless it's perfectly formed and makes absolute sense, which actually doesn't happen that often. yeah. Like you say as well, I've just been away for the weekend with my husband and two boys who are 12 and 14. And as you can imagine, family life becomes quite isolating sometimes because we all kind of meander off after school or after work into our own little bubbles and cocoons because people want to decompose and I'm maybe watching some historical drama or Line of Duty or something. Well, my husband's watching Trevor Noah and the boys are gaming. But this weekend, like, we played cards together. So, yeah, that was really nice. So that just, again, that kind of circle thing, like that sharing thing, you know. Yeah, what, um, card, what card games did you play? We played, so we play a card game called Switch, which is basically Uno, but with cards. Um, and then I also taught the boys how to play um, Knockout West as well. Oh, yes. So, yeah, we're big card players, um, all handed down from my mum and my auntie Betty, they're big card players, or my mum was. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to our next game of cards with Auntie Betty and Uncle Jimmy. Oh, so that's do, uh, always a good night. Isn't it fun? And I think we've talked about this before in one, maybe in one of the campfires, but that sort of generational thing. And I remember when I was quite young, playing cards with my grand, my mum's parents, my grandparents, and playing whist for, like, pairs whist for, like, a penny around and things like that. And, and it is, you know, that was part of, be, you know, going and staying with grandparents in the summer. You'd play cards. And, you know, thinking now, and I, yeah, I went and stayed with my um, parents a couple of weeks ago when we were finally allowed to go and visit in, in Wales. And, um, yeah, we, we sat and played cards one night. And there's something kind of, yeah, and I know that they play cards and they've taught my nieces to play cards. So it's funny, that generational thing that kind of becomes part of what you do as a family. Yeah, it was just nice to just like, because what you do is you chuckle, you know what I mean? You have a bit of a laugh, don't you, as well? (laughs) And then get frustrated when you're always the one that loses. Yeah, and sometimes at the campfire we have a bit of a laugh too. So it's not all deep and meaningful. Like we were having a bit of an EastEnders chuckle, um, weren't we? This we, Friday. <laughs> yeah, so. we had. Yeah, we'd we'd picked you as the uh, the landlady of the pub that we were all going to invest in. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, and just, yeah, and um, 
we're now following Leslie and her duck watch. I need to actually I need to talk to Leslie and get her on to, to tell us all about her cannibal ducks and how they're getting on. <laughs> yeah, no, it was interesting too then when I think it was Ruth that then shared the story, the true story of the ducks that had been like, you know, the container that was full of rubber ducks that had gone adrift somewhere in the Arctic Circle, hadn't it? And I remember seeing a play about that. So there you go, there's a story. There's a story that is true and we shared at campfire and I remember going to see a play about it with my kids when they were really young. It's part of the imagination, so and all these lovely memories come flooding back. You know. and it, yeah, and I wonder, there's something that's been in my head the last few weeks around, I wonder, we're all part of that same conversation around those, yeah, metaphorical virtual campfires. And... Yet in that conversation, we'll all be having our own thoughts about maybe what's happened to us that week or something that's happened in the past. And although we have this, we're all involved in the same conversation, it will trigger different things for us and we'll take away and maybe be thinking about something that's really quite meaningful to us that nobody else around the fire would necessarily know about. And yet we've all been part of that same conversation, which that feels, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last few weeks in terms of how and how diverse that ends up being because we're all from different parts of the country different parts yeah. of the world sometimes yeah for sure and yeah we and and yet you can connect over that hour over something as random as um what was it rough with a smooth peanut butter <laughs> that was last week's conversation yeah it was started off with can you have yeah can you have the rough without the smooth no I'm thinking about golf as well we didn't even talk about that oh, I'm thinking yeah. about being in the rough yeah Maybe that should have came up on Friday Jane do you know your what experiences but isn't that weird that that didn't even occur to me and it is the roughest part of the whole and if ever I play golf, which is very rarely these days, I spend most of my time in the rough. <laughs> yeah. Searching for my ball because I'm not that competent anymore. We were directly across from a golf course today, and I don't play golf either. Um, my dad and brothers did, but I don't, and I was never invited to, which kind of annoys me a little bit. It's a bit like that in football. I was always sent upstairs when the football came on. Um, you know, and I would like to speak to my dad if he was still around and say, you know, you should have involved me, you know, rather than rather than excluding. But the golf course we were directly across from, Southerness, was seemingly really good. And I messaged a friend who's from that area and asked him for some good recommendations for places to eat. And the places he told us were fantastic. And he says his dad plays on that golf course. It's seemingly one of the best. Okay. Do you know what I'm just and that is that's a really there's two things in there that strike me. One that I didn't talk about golf or it didn't even come up for any of us. And yet working in that golf for 10 years, it'd been quite a big part of my life. So that's quite interesting that I didn't make that connection. Um but really, you know, that idea that you said, you know, you were ex- you weren't invited or to play golf or watch football, and it's like there's such stereotypes isn't there which probably at the time your dad probably never even it never even crossed his mind that that was something that you as a female would even be interested in because it was such a boy girl thing to do or not to do 
Yeah, I don't think he did it out of any malice. Yeah. It's like he said, I just don't think it ever occurred to him. I mean, my dad was born in 1915, so he was 55 when I was born, so there was a big generation gap. But it was interesting, like you say, just these things. Like, I'm really grateful to my friend Gareth for recommending the places we went to eat this weekend, because people will always be people. And I needed Gareth this weekend, and it was great that he told me those places, because I would never have discovered them. But then we also had something to eat today that was like, you know, I had scampi in a basket. And that made me think about when I used to go to the golf course with my dad. So he didn't let me play, but I was allowed to walk around with him. Well, I suppose I was allowed to be his caddy. Um, and we'd always get chicken in the basket in the pub house at the end. So there you go. Oh, like you see, just these random things. Like, yeah, just it was just on the menu, you know, you know, traditional lunch in a basket. So, yeah. but I had scampi. Nice, and that really, and this, you know, there's something really interesting I find in how stories spark different stories. Because now I'm thinking of um, when I was younger, we had a family like chalet up in on a sort of caravan chalet park up in North Wales, and there was one particular pub we'd always go to. I can't, re- I can't even remember the name of the pub, but I can picture sitting outside because we had to sit outside because we were children, we weren't allowed in the pub, eating chicken in a basket and all of their meals were in a basket um and that was just that was what we did and that, but that was part of the holiday it wasn't a holiday if we didn't go there and have those those certain things um so it's yeah it's funny how little little things just spark little memories so as i said i was introduced to benjamin zephaniah's work by Lim and Lim says that family is a collection of disputed memories Tell me more about what that means to you. Well, I think that's true. I mean, he says it in a very, it's obviously very painful for him because he didn't really have a family or didn't know his family or did have a family who then, um, you know, then didn't want them. So if you ever want to look him up, go either listen to his Desert Island disc or read his memoir, My Name is Why. Fascinating man and very creative. His poetry is fantastic. But I think that's about that whole, like, I remember when, no, it wasn't like that. It was it was just like you said about campfires, something different comes up for different people, you know, but that doesn't mean that it, the experience was wrong or was right for any of those individuals. It was just different. It was just a different experience. Yeah, and, it, and me and my sister often, because um, me and my sister are, are, you know, we're so different. We, you know, when we were growing up, we couldn't be more different. You know, I was into sport and, you know, a bit of a tomboy and climbing trees. And and she was really creative in terms of art and, you know, loved clothes and going out with friends and a real sort of, I was maybe kind of on my own. She'd be always surrounded by friends. We were so different. And we always had this conversation around how did it, you know, we've got the same parents. We've arguably been given the same opportunities or exposed to the same opportunities and yet we are so different and you know then there's my brother who is probably a bit more like me um but again we can all you know there's certain things that we'll all remember in the same way um mostly the embarrassing moments but we'll just (laughs) skip over those but yeah there are certain things that maybe one of us will remember and the others will have no recollection of whatsoever and it was clearly really important to the one who remembered it but to the others, like it was just, don't even remember that. It was almost, it maybe it was almost so insignificant it didn't even register. 
Yeah. And yeah, we always sort of sit and um, I don't know, we've never come up with an answer, but it just it's just like a, a moment of curiosity in terms of, oh, isn't that interesting? But I think Lynn's point is that if you have a family, you have got someone to have those disputed memory conversations with. Yes. Or a tribe. Yeah. Like, you know, or a campfire or, so yeah. So I'm sure many of the campfires have resonated for people who are there in different ways from each other. Mm, yeah and and yeah and I think um again it comes back to your people will always need people so to have a to have a disputed memory like you said you have to have a another person to dispute that with or you know maybe the campfires well they they wouldn't work with just one of us sat there because it would just be you and your thoughts and it would be very different you know it might be quite nice in certain areas but it wouldn't be that discussion of I'll tell you a story and I'll spark it and, you know, it just little things. In my head, I've got literally little sparks lighting little fires of kind of connection idea in, in another person's head. And maybe that's why we end up in going off in such a tangent sometimes, because it's those little moments that spark in people's mind that just bring moments of, I don't know, yeah, moments of maybe it's emotion to life, because that's often maybe what you remember rather than the actual happening or event itself yeah I think it's moments of wonder it's just something that just it just that word wonder just feels like the right word for me mm. Mm. so there we yeah. go that's that's the interruption for the podcast that's all right <laughs> that's my husband coming in <laughs> there's always one I always say it's usually my mum facetiming or the amazon person coming um because I do tend to order a lot off amazon I have realized that in lockdown I had a I've had something very exciting being delivered today it's a uh, a, sh- a hanging shoe rack for my wardrobe because I realized that there was a pile of shoes underneath gathering dust so I bought like a thing that in theory will save space <laughs> who knew they existed <laughs> I can picture the exact thing I know and it's and it's perfect size I didn't measure it but it's perfect size for the shoes that I wanted to go in so I'm feeling quite um I'm feeling quite proud of myself that I've actually managed to organize something in my wardrobe this yeah something that's been on my list for a while if I want to do something about it and I finally found a thing that will solve my problem um and give me more space (laughs) what do you think there you go another random connection sparked by my husband deciding that he needed his um actually it was his vaccination letter invite that he needed so he's obviously going to sort that out and find out (laughs) what's going on with that (laughs) so and just you know I keep an eye on time as we're chatting um but I just I'm I'm really intrigued to come back to that poem and that idea of people will always need people and particularly thinking about the Covid connections you know of this series what are the things that have that you have valued most during the last probably 12 to 18 months from these conversations and from the people that you've met I think it's kept me going to be honest um it's been pretty rough I've had two jobs over the last year and I think homeschooling two children or even having to go through the conversations with the school around endeavouring to let them go to school so my eldest is on the autistic spectrum and my youngest is dyslexic it's all been quite intense 
So I've found the conversations, whether they've been at campfires or whether they've been dialogue walks that I've had with people that I've met through um, Creative Bravery and Fire Start Festival and through other um, community groups that I go to um, have just kept me going, actually. They've kept that connection, particularly virtual stuff. You know, not... And I'm not just talking about sitting in front of a screen. A lot of them have been outside walking with a set of headphones on, um, you know, after listening to a Brenny Brown podcast and just, like, chatting about it. What do you think? And what did you think? And I set up a virtual coaching circle as well during COVID, which I think has been great, which you're part of, Jane. Absolutely. Yes, and I would agree. It has, and again, that would not have happened. And it's with people that we would not have connected with had it not been for the challenges that have, you know, all of us have been faced with in terms of being locked down. And and yet somehow, because I agree with you, it's that there is a sense of it's kept, you know, it's provided, for me anyway, it's provided a sense of certainty within a week. So whereas everything, there was quite a lot of uncertain stuff, I knew that at four o'clock on a Friday there was a campfire and it was a place to kind of bookmark your week almost. Yeah. And that you knew there'd be a random, you didn't know what the conversation would be about, but you knew it would be engaging. You knew it'd be with interesting people. And then it, you know, from that has arisen other opportunities such as, um, you know, the virtual coaching circle, which is something totally, you know, I'd never done, done that type of thing before. And it just provides another avenue of connection and people and conversation in a slightly different format, I think. I think the word connection is basically dead on. That's like you've just summed up. You know, that's what it's about. So like you said, when you're at the campfire, there's like sparks and you can see like, you know, your mind going off. To, but I suppose what these forums have been able to do is connect those sparks. So it's a bit like electricity. It's the kind of you know, thing that runs through them. So, yeah, definitely connection. Um, and I read the Benjamin Zephaniah poem out too when we did an online event for Sunday Assembly, which is a secular community that I go to, and they had an international assembly at some point last year during the lockdown period, and we contributed from the Edinburgh Assembly towards that event, which was international connecting lots of different communities across the whole globe. So, yeah, I just think it just, I think it's just good. So. Mm, and, and so maybe COVID Connections is quite an apt <laughs> an apt title maybe for, for this series of, of, of podcasts. And, you know, I think it, just going back to that, the virtual coaching circle, again, the, you know, the, the people that you have brought together um, through, you know, just reaching out, and I think that's something that I've um, taken and, le- and learnt or been struck by, I think, over the last 12 months is how willing people are to say yes to things and what it requires. All it needs almost is somebody who's brave and willing enough just to put that question out there. Yeah. I know. I'm just thinking as well. I was, like, while I was away at the weekend, I was reading Michael Rosen's book, A Different Kind of Love. And obviously it's written during a period where he's terribly ill from COVID. But what strikes you when you read it 
is also this like people will always know people. So you know he needed people when he was in the hospital. His wife needed to connect with him, even though she wasn't able to visit him through speaking to the medical staff. You know, and the medical staff have written in a diary, which he's then been able to put into this book. And then I just, you just get this whole sense of even in your darkest hour, where you're in an induced coma, you're still connected somehow, you know, to others. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's the thing that's been good for me around COVID is the connections that I've made that haven't been like face to face. You know, those those ones that they've been quite deep actually. They feel quite feel very authentic, mm. quite genuine, which is really interesting when a lot of those people you may know ever have seen their torso. You've only seen <laughs> them in their cup. <laughs> or heard their voice. So yeah. I remember when I first met you, Jane, because I've only met you once yeah. now. You did, like the whole of you felt different. So I don't know, but there was something about your whole body. It just it is different when you see someone in their entirety. And it's not just about height, it's about everything. It's about stature and mannerisms and yeah. So it was nice to see the whole of you. Yeah. It is, isn't it? And I think the first, when I met um, Lorna on the same day that met you, the first thing she's oh, you're that tall because <laughs> if you have almost, you've got no idea of how. And I think that there's something about in context as well because this is what you know. I'm sat recording this in my uh, home office where my clothes, i.e., my outdoor jackets, which are cycling, walking, running, climbing, anything, are hung behind me. Um, and that's the context that kind of people get to know me in in my online world. And then when you see them and see, I meet people in a different context. You're not in a box. You're you're surrounded by the surround. You know that that moment of whether it's a coffee shop or somebody's back garden or Hollywood Park as it was to go for a walk. You know, it's a, it, it takes a moment just to get used to that different context. And yet, that's the same person that you've been chatting to for twelve months and having a laugh with, and yeah, yeah. generally chewing the fat over random stuff. But no, it's, uh, yeah, connection is a good word, I think. I think that's a, a very good word. I wonder if we'll all be having disputed memories in the future or campfire colleagues and friends. Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I wonder if we'll be reminiscing and thinking about things in different ways. And I guess my answer to that would be... Probably. Uh, yeah, because if, you know, if we've all, and building on that idea that we all experience the same conversation yet maybe take something different away, then perhaps time will just increase that difference maybe. And it'll be, oh, do you remember when we had a conversation about so-and-so? And maybe we all remember different things. Yeah. I think that's what strikes me the most about campfires and that community as well is that at work, you don't necessarily get the ability to have that same type of connection because everyone's in a rush. Mm. So there's something about slowing down, which I think is really helpful. So that's definitely something I've learned through these strange times. Definitely learning to slow down. 
Yeah, and and maybe as well, and I think I've, I've you know shared this with a couple of people. It's that we haven't got to know each other with a label, as in this is like in a work context. Often you'll introduce yourself by your job title or the company you work for, or the sector you're in, and that's how people will start to define you. Um, whereas there hasn't been the need; it's never felt the need to introduce yourself and give yourself a label. So you yeah. kind of show up. You've got your yeah your outdoor kit in the background and and whatever else on your shelf behind you, and you we've got to know each other through what we've said, how we've said it, and sometimes through what we've not said and just being quiet and listening. Yeah, um, which has given us a greater insight into each other and what we're thinking and feeling, as opposed to the judgments that we make when we see somebody's job title or label. Yeah, totally. I know. I mean, I was a child. I remember kind of like walking alongside my mum and someone would stop her and say, oh, how are you, Nancy? And like, what, you know, how's how's someone doing? How's, and, you know, she'd see her beam if she had something good to share about, oh, yes, they're working and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I remember a good friend of mine who I've known all my life, who is an educational psychologist, who at one point in her career was packing shelves in M&S and she said she absolutely hated like going to parties at that point because she noticed the difference when she told people when they asked her what are you doing and she's like well I'm packing shelves in M&S and people would just look away you know just like ah, but I'm actually trained as a <laughs> yeah. I'm just not doing it right now yeah. it. so it's interesting like you said I think it is nice to be able to let those labels go mm. Have just workplaces. How about workplaces like that? Who like who choose their old job title? Mm. So if you could choose, well, I was I was going to say, I my (laughs) mine's I kind of do because my my job title is chaser of dreams because when I started working for myself, I didn't feel like a director or a CEO or a founder or whatever else. So I think that's I think that's yeah I think I would that's what I am a chaser of dreams and also my uh, I think my Twitter bio now says part or somewhere says part-time starter of fires in the, right. with a nod to the campfires um, but That's what about good. you what would your job title be oh I don't know I think I'd be I was going to say head of happiness but head doesn't sound right because it sounds like I'm like the, the head on show and I don't want to be the head on show and I'm not very states motivated but something to do with happiness you know yeah so, um, something like yeah something like you know I don't know instigator of happiness yeah, or heroine of happiness. Yeah, can I be a heroine of happiness? You can. Yes, there you go. That can be your job title. Heroine of happiness. I love that. <laughs> I have images of, like, Lisa Simpson now in my mind. So people ask me, who is your hero? I always say Lisa Simpson. Lisa Simpson is my hero. Excellent. Well, I feel like we've learned quite a lot about you today. Yeah. Heroine Lisa- of happiness and Lisa Simpson is your hero. She is. Oh, my goodness. She she puts up with the schmuck of a dad, doesn't she? And still manages to keep her cool. Plus, she's creative and she plays the sax. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that plays the yeah yeah to play if you play the saxophone. But yeah, that's that's one of the coolest instruments I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't play it, but I'm learning to play piano, which I've been doing Uh since lockdown. Excellent, excellent. Well, we are, yeah, I feel there's a there's enough creative musicians in the campfire to have a good old jam when we finally get together. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a sing song. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely a sing song. Anyway, um, so I'm just conscious of time and drawing things to a close. And 
I'd just like to, I suppose, go back to the people need people um, line poem, or I don't know, it's, you know, it's a big, a big piece of writing, I suppose. Um, but just to, I don't know, maybe I'll invite you to share any final reflections or anything that's, it could be something totally random that we've not talked about. Um, but, you know, what would you like to leave people with? in the fact, you know, given that context that people will always need people. Yeah, I think that, like I said, I came across the poem actually just as, you know, the Black Life Movement was sort of resurrecting again as a result of the tragic death of George Floyd. And I think that I feel people will always need people because we need each other to learn and listen and grow and I think that the world will be a much better place if we can sort of lean into each other, listen, and just there. Yeah. Fabulous. And just to finish, Luna, your dog, has just walked behind you. So we can't fail. We can't have a... She's got up and kind of moved. We can't have a podcast without referencing the fact that there's a beautiful dog <laughs> sat behind you who's been joining in. Or listening quietly. Yeah, she's very quiet. Never barks. Oh. Got to love a black lab. Bless her. But, uh, but thank you very much for joining me for my podcast. That's all right. And I look forward to plenty more virtual coaching uh, groups and an autumn retreat yeah with a sing song for sure absolutely (laughs) thanks marie bye you have been listening to the coffee and conversation podcast the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen my thanks again to my guest marie hernandez and also to you for listening until the next time take care